Hi everyone and welcome to the next podcast for Firms Consulting. In keeping with the theme of strategy consulting, corporate strategy assignments as we plan to roll out the strategy training library, today I'm going to focus on two things, but they're related. The first one is how consulting firms sometimes package and product uh, package products to roll them out to clients. And I want to talk specifically about one inverted commas uh, product, which was really hit its stride around 2003 onwards and and peaked around 2008, right? And to give you some insights into how consulting firms take things that are not that complicated but package it to be complicated, right? So the, 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 the product I want to talk about is something called value modeling. Value modeling started gaining steam around 2003-2004 and hit its stride around 2008 and you could say to some extent sort of petered out by 2010. Now when I say petered out there are that doesn't mean it's dead. The same way balance scorecard is still used by many businesses around the world there are many consulting firms that have value modeling practices, value modeling partners that believe that this product is is going to come back and it is going to be big again and there's value in it and the clients want it. But what they don't understand is that it's not that the product is bad, it's that clients like to see new things or at the very least they don't like products that can be tarnished because once you've had a product since 2003 it looks old and clients like to see new things. But anyway, that's a different point. Let's talk about value modeling, right? So. Why 2003 to 2008? What happened then? Well, value, value modeling really grew in the mining side of management consulting and the generally resources side of management consulting, oil and gas. And why 2003 to 2008 is from 2003, well, based on 2002, you saw China rise substantially and commodities consumption rose in China. 2008, the, the currency crisis took place and the world went into a type of recession. And then mining companies went into free fall, which means they were trying to find ways to cut costs. Now, how is this linked to value modeling? Well, firstly, what is value modeling and then how is it linked to it? Value modeling is the way it's the way it's presented to clients is that consulting firms would go to a client and this was quite popular amongst the audit firms and so on right that go to a client and say okay we are going to tell you what are the things that create value in your business we're going to then map out how it creates value and we're going to show you how to create even more value in your business and they did this between 2002 and 2008 when 2008 came along they changed the story a little bit and said okay we're going to tell you what destroys value in your business we're then going to map out what destroys value and we're going to show you how to minimize the value destruction so a play on the concept right and an example of this would be you'd go to a company like um like Codelco in Chile, and you tell Codelco, okay, you have these large open pit mines, and now you're going underground. Our analysis is telling us that um, if you can crush the rock before you load it onto the large trucks, you can increase the process rate outside the mine 
because the main bottleneck at the processing facility for the copper slurry is the amount of ore that can be processed at the refinery and the amount of ore that can be processed the main bottleneck there is the main feeder and the main problem with the feeder is that it can only take ore of a certain size so if you crushed it before you brought it to the feeder you could remove that bottleneck and you can increase the amount of ore going through the feeder so sounds simple enough right and then you do all the analysis and so on now the flip side of this is that in the, when the recession came along consulting firms would tell companies okay what we're seeing here is that the biggest cost you have is labor and the reason labor is such a big cost is that because you're doing underground mining and your mines are old it takes a long time for the miners to get from the um, shaft from the elevator when they go underground to the face of the rock because as the as the mine becomes older you mine further and further away from the elevator and over time the miners have to walk a bigger and bigger distance away from the elevator to the face of the mine so what we have to do here is we have to run almost continuous shifts so there's a steady stream of people coming to the mine face and leaving it versus just one shift right now that is the way it is presented to a mining client or a resources client for that matter but exactly what is value modeling. Well, value modeling is very basically a glorified financial model. That is a fact. I mean, sure, the, the consulting firms will tell you otherwise in some, but that's what it is. It's just packaged at this product called value modeling. You notice the language I use, but in the essence, it's a very simple financial, well, it's not a simple financial model. It's a fairly complex financial model because to do this work, you need to build a very complex financial model. So how does it work, right? Very simply, let's assume that um, Let's assume that a company like, um, uh, let's say, ArcelorMittal, the um, London or is it Luxembourg-based steel company, wants to increase their economic profit or enterprise value, right? And, and you know they need to to manipulate NOPAT minus the weighted average cost of capital. So you would build a financial model which would break down NOPAT into net operating profit minus taxes. You then break down a branch for weighted average cost of capital. You'd break down weighted average cost of capital into cost of equity, then cost of debt. For each of your made a debt tranches, you'd break those down further. For uh, profit after taxes, you'd break it down into profit after taxes for the major regions. For taxes, into taxes for the major regions. And you'd continuously break down that model. You'd keep on breaking that model down into per region, you'll break it down per a facility. Per facility, you'd break it down into uh, profit per division of the facility. Per division of the facility, you'd, you'd probably break it down into the different shifts. For the different shifts, you'd break it down into the type of product sold per shift. For the type of product sold, the volume and then the price, right? Now, the thinking here is that if you can find out which of those branches are the most important about driving the economic profit, you can then say, hey, what if we added two shifts to the fifth factory in Poland? What impact does it have on the economic profit? And that's what value modeling will do. The model is so detailed that they can go in there and say, okay, we've modeled how the shift works. Let's add in three people per shift. The model will then tell us what's the increase in labor costs, what's the increase in pensions, but the model also tell us what would be the increase in output and what's the increase 
in supply costs coming in. And so through this kind of modeling, you can test different operating. It's always operating. Value modeling is generally done at an operations level. It's not done at a corporate level. It adds no value at a corporate level, although some companies have tried to do it. So by, by making these changes at the operational level, you can then test things. And basically doing a sensitivity analysis, right? So what, what most firms will present you, they'll present a bar chart. And at the top, they'll say, changing changing the increasing the number of shifts by 50% leads to a so you increase the number of shifts at the Poland Krakow mine to by, by you'll double it from one shift to two shifts per an hour and you'll say if we increased the Poland Krakow factory shifts by 50% well 100% actually you're doubling it by 100% this is what the economic profit is going to increase by. This is what the economic profit for the Polish facility is going to increase by. This is what the economic profit of the European operations is going to increase by. And this is what the economic profit of the entire business is going to increase by. And then they model this to even greater detail. Some models I've actually seen have the model actually uh, simulating what is the area of an underground mine looks like. So basically, if you know when you're digging underground, you've got workers digging underground, and if you've got 70 mining crews working underground, they're each almost—it's like almost eating a a biscuit, right? Uh, you take one bite, that's the mining crew extracting more ore. You take another bite, they're extracting more ore. But rather than the bite being the curvature of your dentures or teeth, the semicircle of your teeth, they move almost like a block forward. And some models I've seen estimate what is the the height, width, and let breadth of the of the uh, rectangular space they are digging in, which allows them to estimate the volume of ore they are being that being produced. They then estimate how much of the ore can be washed into the crushers, how much of the gold or whatever is being lost from the crushers, and then they can play with these numbers and say, okay, what if we used 10% more explosives? so that we move the or the mine phase forward by 3 meters what's going to happen what impact is it going to have on the economic profit and they keep on playing with these things to find out where they can have the greatest impact now that's value modeling it's basically a big fat financial model that is modeling to the nth degree different parts of the operations value modeling started in those industries but over the last few years, I've seen them being using everything from pharmaceuticals to financial services, especially in retail, to um, you know, Procter and Gamble is using it for its um, um, Salesforce optimization. Uh, I've seen stores like Coca-Cola using it to manage uh, their their sales forces and sales representatives who travel around to different regions and so on. Now, the point I'm trying to make here is that value modeling is a useful concept. It's, it's very useful. I can see it being useful in operating site. But the problem you have is that consulting firms just use the phrase value modeling. They've built a value modeling practice and there's a partner going out there who's trying to sell value modeling to clients when what he should be doing is thinking about what the client's needs are and then saying, okay, for this client, we maybe need to build a model. It can simulate the operations, allow us to determine what levers to pull to maximize the overall economic 
corporate indicator being pursued by making changes to the operations levels. That's the right way to do it. But what consulting firms have done is they've created, quite a few firms have created value modeling practices, people specializing in value modeling, that's all they do. And because all they, they can do is value modeling, when they go to clients and try to sell the work, they can only sell value modeling, right? So they can only talk about it. That's, you don't want to be a kind of consultant that can only talk about one product, right? You want to be a kind of consultant who, irrespective of the problem the client faces, you can build a bespoke solution around that. Now, I'm not saying the people who are specializing in value modeling cannot do that, but they're not incentivized to do that. And the, the other major problem you have here is that because this technique has been given a brand name, whenever you give something a brand name, it's initially easy to sell it to people because it has a brand name. They, they think, oh, wow, this is new. It's shiny. It's got a brand name. It must be so important that they've given it a brand name, so let's try it. But one thing you learn in management is that there's no answer. What I mean by that is there's no one tool or technique developed that perfectly answers your your, your question. If it's new, it maybe can answer the question better than slightly better than things that already existed. So when clients try it out for the first two or three years, they're excited about it, and then they realize, okay, it's it's taken us as far as we could, so let's try something else. And then because they've tried value modeling before, they don't want to try it again because it's become tarnished, even though it may be very useful. So that's the thing you have to understand about management consulting. Because there are always better ways to do things, Branding a concept is actually counterproductive because as soon as you brand a concept, it becomes old because the brand name can age. As soon as it becomes old, clients don't want to be associated with it. That is why when you look at some of the work consulting firms or the elite firms, they don't brand strategy concepts. They don't brand corporate strategy concepts because as soon as you brand it, it ages. But if you tell a client, look, we're going to use a multitude of tools, the tools are not important, but when we use the tools, we'll be able to solve the problem. That is initially harder to sell because there's no shiny little tool to sell. But once the client sees the result, they want more of it. When you brand a concept, easier to sell because it's shiny and pretty. But once the client sees it doesn't work, they can then say, value modeling didn't work. But when strategy fails, they don't say strategy failed, they say maybe the implementation failed, maybe we could have done this better, but there's nothing to pinpoint the failure on. It's a very important insight in the way the elite firms brand their products. They don't brand techniques and tools. Bain does to some extent, and they've seen that problem. I mean, think of Chris Sook, Profit from the Core, right? Astonishingly successful book, um, did very well, and it was big in early 2000, but over time, even though the concept is extremely valuable, it's seen as an aged product. Um, so, so having a great concept helps you initially sell it if you brand it, but in the long term, you're basically creating a target onto which clients can project their failures, which is a bad strategy. So, you know, when, when, when I was the firm, you know, it was always a process of don't brand the analysis. You're a, you're a strategy consultant, you're a corporate strategy, the analysis is irrelevant. You're going to solve the client's problems, how you do it is irrelevant. If you brand it, you shift the focus away from solving the problem to the branded analysis and you don't want to do that because the analysis is a means to an end and let's focus them on the end. 
Now, value modeling, I would say, is probably the, the latest example of, of, a, of an analysis that's done all the time. Every single study, we're doing some version of value analysis, even in corporate strategy, right? We are testing to see how sensitive the changes we are recommending are going to be to the final corporate metric being measured. But we don't call it value analysis because the concept has become tainted. And the irony is that there, I can assure you there are still firms right now who have a value modeling practice somewhere. But what they've forgotten is that the, the initial success of that practice is actually making it far harder for those partners to sell work. And those partners will disagree and tell you clients are always buying the work and so on. But the question is, is it sustainable to do it in the long term? And the answer is clearly not. Because clients don't buy analyses. They buy solutions. And the analysis is a means to an end. So, what do you take out of this? The first one is that don't brand your analyses. Sounds counterintuitive because everyone does it. They brand the analyses. But remember, you're not trying to, well, hopefully, you're not trying to build a business that lasts three years or five years or six years. But you're trying to build a business that lasts 100 years. And if that's your objective, to build a firm that lasts a really long time and has enormous impact, then don't brand it. If, on the other hand, you want to be a partner who makes a lot of money in a few years, sells this around the branded stuff and then quits the firm after three or four years after you made a lot of money and got a big bonus, then you'll brand it because you don't really care about the fallout that happens next. The next lesson is that all these branded tools detract from detract from building your name as a general problem solver. When you're known for certain tools and approaches, you're always known for that. Even no matter what you do, the more successful you are attaching yourself to a successful product means that when that product becomes tarnished in the eyes of the client, you're always, always going to be associated with that. I mean, a good example of this is, um, you know, you think of a Gemini Consulting, uh, the last major firm to die. Grew enormously through the transformation phase, you know, Michael Hammer, business processor engineering in the mid-1990s to the late 1990s. To this day, the firm is associated with that work and they can never, ever shake that off, right? So be wary of riding a wave because the wave will come to an end and you've got to paddle to shore by yourself when it comes to an end and you may not make it to shore. And the third lesson here is that think of ways to explain the value of what you are doing without having to reference the analytic process. So tell the client, you know what, the analysis we're going to do is going to allow you to do XYZ. But don't brand the analysis because the reason you're branding it is that when you mention value modeling, you assume the client will figure out what you're saying. But again, while it's going to save you time in the short term, so you don't have to go to every client and explain what the analysis is doing, you can just say value modeling and they figure it out and you think you're saving time. In the short term, it's going to save you time. In the long term, it's going to hurt you. So the, con the, you know, the, the main thinking here is that branding these concepts, good idea in the short term, in the long term, it's a bad idea because you're no longer a general problem solver and you're probably going to make money. And I'm sure you're going to be people writing and saying, we're doing very well now, but how do you know you're going to do well in five to 10 years? You're not. Every major consulting, what's the word I'm looking for? Trinket that came out in the last 20 years all falls out of favor. Business processor engineering, balance cock. And when I say they fall out of favor, it does, it's not that they're not successful, but that they are superseded by something better. That's the way it is.
And if you're attached to the less successful version of it, you're going to be attached with it always. So, you know, value modeling, they're all falling out of favor. So be wary of trying to ride that big wave or being known as the person who rides, rides that big wave. As always, I'm more than happy to comment on this or provide any feedback to questions you may have.